Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sent Some More. How is everybody today? Uh, it's, it's a nice, cool, sunny Thursday afternoon here in Cambridge, Ontario, just outside of Toronto, and we had our first snowfall today. <laughs> but I bet you it's not that cold where my friend is. Uh, my, I have the pleasure to interview someone who I admire and consider a dear friend. This is the third time I get to sit with him like this on air, and I just love being able to support him and amplify his message to the world. Please welcome Danny Brooks to the show. Welcome, Danny. Thank you, Frankie. Great to speak with you today. Yeah, so what's what's the weather like in Llano, Texas? It's cold, believe it or not. Really? We're entering the coldest part of the winter in Hill Country is December 7th to the 21st. Right today, it's about a high of 43, which is like freezing for me. Yeah. Uh, because I've been acclimatized to the nice warm weather, but the sun's not out and it's damp cold, so oh. it feels like winter. Wow. Well, I'm sure it feels nice and balmy to me. <laughs> Monday will be back up to 70. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I remember the first time I visited you in Texas, and it was like 100 degrees in the winter, and I'm like, this is crazy, like February or something. It was nuts. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell folks a little bit about you. Um, when you're a Canadian blues rocker now living in the States, uh, American-Canadian, what do you call yourself now, Americana? No, it's kind of southern soul music, which encompasses blues rock country americana right and so when danny was 15 years old his father gave him a choice um to give up his budding fascination with the quote-unquote devil's music or get out of the house so danny took off with the devil he has been in the music business since 1971. He plays the blues, country, hard rock, rhythm and blues um, were his first bands. But his first introduction to ministry was his father, who took Danny and his siblings, a sister and a brother, to the street corners of Toronto and had them recite scripture verses. And in, you'll see in this new book that Danny talks about um, how beneficial it was to learn how to memorize things uh, as, as a musician. Uh, he says his rough life and season of rebellion found Danny on the downside. And this was during the 70s and the 80s. The drug culture captured him, uh, his attention. He ended up doing a little bit of time in prison for some crimes that he committed. And he also went to rehab. This was um, the fodder for his first book, Miracles for Breakfast, um, How Faith Helped Me Kick Addictions. Fast forward a number of years later, uh, we're on the second part of Danny's life, um, the second season, I don't know, third season maybe, midlife, um, how, and, and his book is now, his new book, his second book is now titled Miracles for Breakfast, The Journey Continues. And I was so impressed with this book, Danny, and I love that Dennis Waitley wrote the foreword for you. How exciting is that? 
It was very exciting, and that came about because of the insistence of Debbie. She said, contact him. I said, oh, Debbie, I can't do that. She said, you never know. Contact him. So I did. Long story short, he said, send me the manuscript. I don't care how rough it is. So I did. Uh, at that time, I believe we were on our own personal seventh edit of the book, and we did it five more times, and then we got a professional editor, Lynn Wintercorn, and he gave us a nice endorsement and said, use it on the front cover or on your website or however you want, and it was especially sweet to me because I, when I answered him back and, and thanked him, I said, Dennis, this would be like if they were still alive getting an endorsement from either Muddy Waters or Hank Williams. Yeah. It's, I, it, it's, it's awesome. And it's not that long. I'm going to read it to folks. It says, Danny Brooks lives his music and his new book is a lyrical banquet of true miracles experienced in his challenging, continuing journey on God's highway. He and his wife, Debbie, are examples of what we can all achieve if we believe and take daily actions based upon genuine love and eternal truth. Dennis Waitley, author, Seeds of Greatness. And, you know, it's so interesting um, Danny, because Dennis is somebody that I often quote to when I do my own interviews. And, you know, I talk about um, his quote about how failure is not your undertaker, you know, and I really love that that line because it's so strong. You know, it, it's it's about not being afraid to fail and, and uh, because it's not an undertaker, it, you know, it, it, these lessons help you become, achieve, you know, later on in your life. And, and so, you know, you've had lots of failures and lots of successes, and I think that you could totally understand that. Calm seas don't make good sailors. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's it exactly. Oh, my gosh, I love that. And that's in your book, too. <laughs> I love how you start off your book. You say, I plan to write this book pretty much in the fashion I play my music. Um, I'm low-key about my faith, but there's nothing low-key about your faith in this book. So I guess uh, the Lord took you, and, um, <laughs> and, and, and off you went. This book, um, it, it's funny because I was you know, involved in this time of your life, and, and it starts off um, with your heart attack, really. Like you had a heart attack and didn't even really know it um, when you were – in uh, at Threadgills in Austin, Texas. Why don't you tell us about that day? It was uh, May the 2nd, I believe, 2010. And um, up to that point, and this is a warning for anybody out there, I was in my later 50s, and I'd made some comments to Debbie that I can drive as good as I always did, except my recovery time is, takes a bit longer. I equated that with age. If I was driving and my left arm started getting pains in it, mm -hmm. it was the way I crooked my arm while I was driving. So your perception on your age can mask true heart problem issues. Mm -hmm. So... I had been sensing stuff like that, but on this particular day, it was exceptionally hot, and about three songs left in our set, I just had trouble breathing, and I had pains in my chest, in my arms, they felt like rubber and lead all at once, and 
Lynn Daniel, a bass player, said, Danny, are you okay? And I said, yeah, Lynn, I'm just it's so hot in here. I'm having trouble breathing. And I was starting to feel out of sorts. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I just oh, want to explain that, that you've been driving back and forth from, from you know, Toronto down to Texas. And it's a 30-some-odd-hour drive. And you would yeah. do it, like, in, in kind of almost one shot. And so well, you're used to driving, but... Your recovery, that's what you meant, your recovery time driving was, was... Yes, and I never really slept in a motel. I'd sleep, and that's what's dangerous, too, if you've got heart issues. You need to keep your blood flowing and driving and then sleeping in the same position. I was, it wasn't helping my blood flow. So I'm very lucky to be alive. Just, um, we go to this Lano Cowboy Church, and there was a lady just recently was driving her vehicle, and all of a sudden she felt out of sorts, drove right to the hospital here in Lano, walked in the emergency, and collapsed on the floor. They got her right into heart surgery, and she had two almost completely blocked arteries. Unbeknownst to me at Threadgills, I had five completely blocked Uh arteries. I shouldn't be alive. And um, I finished those three songs, and I sat on my seat, almost as if, where am I? And I went into autopilot that I got to get paid. So I started wrapping stuff up the best way I could, and I was really fumbling, dropping things, and I don't even know how I did it. But and lifting I equipment it. and being your own roadie. Yeah, I got out of the truck, and I, I rubbed my heart, and I just said, God, am I having a heart attack? And if I am, could you please stop it? Mm-hmm. I just got down here. I don't have insurance. I, I'm in a real pickle. I need to send money home to Debbie. She's going through some stuff right now. I won't get into it. It's in the book. But yeah. I said, I, I, need a, I need you to help me. I, I, I need a miracle. And, uh, and he gave me one. And when I well, got back home, I did five more weeks of work in the Texas heat. And when I got home, I told Debbie what happened. And then, you know, lickety-split through a series of uh, appointments, I find out after the... Um, uh, Your exam, like you had a stress test yes, that you had five block <laughs> Yeah, and they showed me the graph. They said, here's completely these big pools of dye that they inject in your vein. I think they call it a, um, a, something to do. It's a catheterization. Right. But there's another term for it. And he showed me the blockage. They, they shoot the dye in, and the five veins that were completely blocked showed great big round blue blockages of the blue dye. And he, the doctor just said, you need to get your family doctor in here immediately. This is no... Um, you can't treat this lightly. You, you're going to die. you got to get it. And so the very next day, I saw my doctor, and he uh, said, Danny, they should have just kept you. Yeah. And I was long story short. I get in there, and then they do the, um, you know, they had to rewire my heart. 
and so I'm still around today. And uh, but Danny, uh, we're going to go to commercial. Thanks. We're going to go to commercial break in just a minute. But there's a couple things I want to say. One, the first miracle was that you 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 know you didn't have a heart attack. Or you did, but it didn't show up really. Like you're you're alive. Yeah. Five weeks later, you're still had five blocked arteries and were performing and doing everything. Um, this the second one is that there was no damage to your heart, which is absolutely extraordinary. And the third one, like a typical man, we're going to go to commercial break. The third one is that you when they told you don't go to the job the next day, you still went. I can't believe you did that. We're going to go to commercial break. We'll be right back with Danny Brooks. Don't go anywhere. No, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's Recently, while my family was skiing in Colorado, we were greeted by a red fox that darted out of the trees. This beautiful animal with his big bushy tail just stood in the snow and stared right at us. Maybe he smelled all the loverwort we had in our pockets. Loverwort is another word for junk and snack food. Typically, a red fox eats scrub and woodland, but this one appeared to have had his share of hamburgers and hot dogs from the chalet grill. Foxes are similar to dogs, except they are not pack animals. The female fox, or vixen, typically gives birth to a litter of 2 to 12 pups. When they are young, they all live together as a family, known as a leash of foxes. Once grown, the young foxes leave the burrow and go out to live on their own. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, Everything You Want to Know But Didn't Know What to Ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, And yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And here we are back with Frankie Says Some More. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. My guest today is Mr. Danny Brooks, Mr. Mr. Soul Man himself. Really? <laughs> if you've ever heard Danny play, uh, you would not be sitting still, I can tell you that. So, Danny, you this is your second book. It starts off with your heart attack. It starts off with you having a miracle because you said, you know, dear God, if I'm having a heart attack right now, like, just get me home. Get me to a place of safety. And you went five weeks without experiencing that heart attack with five blocked arteries you continue to work those five weeks the doctor saw you and it's like oh my god you need to be in the hospital immediately because boy and and even this the receptionist i think you had to go out to your car for something and they looked scared for you to walk out and hoping that you'd be able to walk back in i mean and then you went to work like you go oh no but i got this gig i have to go even though they told me not to I'm going to go and do it like a typical in typical male fashion and i know debbie and i'm sure that she was really upset with you (laughs) Yes, she was. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when when I did that gig, um, 
I they gave me nitro. Mm-hmm. So Debbie said, you got to tell um, Dennis that if something happens, you to reach in your your bass uh, player jacket pocket to give you apply the nitro. And <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Between uh, Debbie and Caitlin and Dennis, they're looking at me rather furtively, constantly, and I just felt bad that <laughs> I put them through that. So I'd never do that again. Wow, that's crazy. So th- you you ended up having your surgery. I remember um, you had surgery, and there was an event at was it at the Hollywood? I think that was one. Yes, one at the Hollywood, and then one at the Silver Dollar. Yeah, and and you know, friends came together, and musicians came together, and everybody was you know <clears throat> just just so. Excuse me. <clears throat> you know, praying and, and, and hoping that you're going to recover and be well. And, and I, it, was, it was an incredible event, Danny, really. Helped us out immensely. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, Michelle Sim had some posters of mine, and she had people sign them, and she put them in a frame that's uh, four feet wide and two feet high of four posters of all the signatures and well-wishing, and we have it in our music room in our house, and every day when I go by, I look at that, and I'm just reminded of how grateful we are for all the Canadian musicians that donated their time and money to help us out in a real dark time in our life. Uh, We couldn't thank them enough. Now, I should I should mention that you have um, you've been nominated twice. You've been you were nominated for a Juno Award for most promising male vocalist. That was early on in your career, I believe. And just recently, you were nominated again <clears throat> for um, what was your? No- I'm sorry, I forget. Uh, what it, oh, oh. The, the other Juno nomination is for best uh, gospel album. It was an album that we did with. Um, Northern Blues label in Canada, Fred Litwin's label. Um, but oh, I know uh, it. Yeah, you were inducted for the second time into the Blues Hall of Fame in Clarksdale, Mississippi, for the great blues artist from Texas. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that that was given to me while we were at the Ocala uh, prison in Ocala, Florida. Oh wow! Now, I had no idea that. A, I was getting that award, and B, that I'd be getting it there. And I'll tell you, getting it there was definitely a highlight because, uh, and I don't mean to denigrate, any artist is happy to get an award, but let's face it, most award shows, you know, there's a lot of plastic involved. Right. And But to get an award in a hardened penitentiary with, you know, 500 men looking at you. And I was just stunned when the guy brought out the award and it was handed to me. And I looked out and I guess I kind of made me think of Johnny Cash and I thought, God, I couldn't ask for an award in a better place. Your ministry going to the jails is 
something that that's really close to your heart and and I guess that's why you're saying that tell us about you know tell us about that a little bit I, I mean, don't even I, know if I would call it a ministry hey I'm, I'm a Christian I love reading my Bible but I just do we do that because we love doing it and it's a way of giving back and I'll tell you it doesn't even stem from my Christianity it stems when I was a down and out lunch pail because when I was in the Guelph Reformatory when it was announced that the Downchild Blues Band was coming to put on a show I shook good time as everybody else did it's a prison term shaking good time when you've got something to look forward to for the next six weeks after that announcement, everybody in the jail was talking, down child's coming, down child's coming. It made being in jail not as bad. Right. And I never forgot that. So we love it. As a matter of fact, we just <laughs> cemented a deal going into David Wade prison uh, on February the 6th to start off our winter spring tour. And I'm contacting the Ocala prison again and we'll do the uh something in mission bc as well and the ferndale prisons there that's awesome i love that also we're checking with san quentin the last time we were in california we played at this venue and the guy knows john lee hooker jr mm -hmm. who's now a minister <clears throat> but yeah. he spent time in san quentin and he wants to hook us up to go into san quentin so we're working on that for may of this year that's fantastic i guess it's i guess it's like you know chocolate pudding or danny brooks is coming <laughs> well you know it it, it it just it breaks up their day their yeah. tedium and it gives them something to look forward to so that's what really started the, the desire to do that now when i got out of um rehab and, and read every self-help book i could find that led me to reading the bible then I made a conscious decision that, you know, it's about time I gave back. So, and maybe part of it, too, was a form of penance. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be honest here. Yeah. But I thought, you know, I should go into rehabs and prisons and let them know that, you know, just because you've got a, a, an alcohol or drug problem doesn't mean that uh, you're washed up and no good anymore, that you're damaged goods. You can bounce back. I bounced back, so share that. So yeah. that's what kind of really started things going. And I started doing that in 1989, uh, going into prisons on a regular basis. You you mentioned in the book that, you know, I mean, addiction is, is something that's, you know, a lot of people suffer with and is not an easy thing to give up. And yet you had a come-to-Jesus moment and maybe – Twice, actually. <laughs> Maybe you've had a few of them. I don't know. But what was it that, that really, you know, for you that said, okay, that's it, I'm done. I, I, I'm not doing it anymore. It's over. Well, there's certain um, daily functions we all do every day. And when you start seeing blood, you know mm -hmm. that you know that you know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I had an epiphany one night looking at my then friend, Patrick Johnson, 
who, although he was only in his mid-30s, was basically an 80-year-old man that shook a lot. Wow. And it was just from hard alcohol. He wasn't into drugs at all in his life. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, and I, I was homeless at the time, so I was staying with him. And one night, as he was kind of semi-passed out on the couch, I got a revelation. I looked at him, and I saw me in the ensuing years to come. And I just said, God, I don't want to end up like Pat. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the night, when people left, and at that time, I never was using the needle. I did Bruce was my drug of choice, but I was snorting cocaine and taking Valium to help me sleep. People would leave, and Pat was passed out on the couch from his booze, and my head was buzzing like those TV commercials about frying an egg on a frying, in a frying pan, and, mm-hmm. and it said that, that when you do hard drugs, this is what you're doing to your brain. And I could hear that noise in my head, and I said, oh, God, I'm all alone. I don't want to be like this. I need help. Would you send me someone to love? And I'd add tears in my eyes. Next morning, I'd forget all about talking to God, forget all about those tears, go directly to the fridge, grab my vodka popsicle, chase it down, and then chase it down with a beer, and then forget all about it. And come noon hour, when I got the buzz on, and I'm just starting to feel normal to face the day and overcome my fears of facing people and that, I'd remember my chat with God. Mm. And then I would... Forget about it until the end of the night. And then I had a gig. Someone called me, Danny, would you do a gig at the Janosh? And that's how I re-met Debbie again for the second time. Because oh. I'd met her years before, and then five years had passed. I'd never seen her again. This time I'm, I'm, I'm already separated from my first wife, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, I called John, my old sound man, who was Debbie's boyfriend at the time, and Debbie answered the phone, and we got talking, and I discovered that her and John were no longer an item, and I said, Debbie, when I finish talking to John, can I speak with you? So I spoke with John, and if you do sound at the Janosh, he said, I'm no longer doing sound anymore. I said, I'm sorry to hear that, John. Would you put Debbie back on, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't waste any time. Hey, I might have been screwed up, but I wasn't stupid. Yeah, exactly. We're going to go <laughs> to a commercial like, break very soon. Okay. But I just want to say that that was really another miracle. Well, a couple, two miracles there, really. Because, A, you met Debbie, who you've now been married to for 30-some-odd years, I think. And, yeah. and um when you had that heart attack and when they tested you and you had had hepatitis, but you had no evidence of it at all. Yeah, I had hepatitis B from dirty needles. Yeah, so and, we're going to talk and, about that when we come back, okay? We're going to go to a commercial break. But we'll talk about the hepatitis B, the, the implication of that, and the uh, the fact that it didn't show up at all. Another miracle for Danny Brooke. Yeah. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's Merging Network. 
airplanes first began carrying passengers, everyone was treated to first-class accommodations. Caviar and sandwiches were presented on porcelain plates, with beverages served in crystal. Flying was truly a special event, as passengers wore suits and evening dresses. What do you call a person who is afraid to fly? An aeroacrophobic. The airlines required stewardesses to be unmarried, and many were nurses as well. To be a pilot was respected and revered. What do you call a person who chooses a career based on the glamorous image it conveys? A modoc. A typical flight in those days from London to Singapore would cost over $17,000 today and take eight days. What's another word for jet lag? Dysrhythmia. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. It's Marching Day Word. Researchers at Binghamton University's Department of Psychology in England believe that if you use a period while texting, it makes you appear less sincere. Hey, autocorrect alone makes my texts look like they came from a goostrum noodle. The study goes on to say that using a period in a text conversation is an act of psychological warfare. Hyperbole, maybe, but we get the point. The same research also found that exclamation marks are more friendly and sincere than no punctuation at all. Talk Talk Mobile states that you should always match a kiss for a kiss when texting significant others as well. Fewer or more digital kisses compared to your partner can be construed as a brush-off. Would someone who is distracted by their phone while driving be considered intexticated? I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's Frankie Sent Some More. It's a special Frankie Sent Some More because I only have one guest. And I am your host, Frankie Picasso. My guest today is Danny Brooks. And, you know, this we're talking about his second book, also named Miracles for Breakfast. But this one is The Journey Continues. And it's, in some ways, it's um, – an well, the first book was a very strong book. I mean, we talked about your past. And, and this is kind of like your past and your future all in one, which is kind of cool. So, and, and I like that because it doesn't matter how old you are. You can still have passion and you can still look forward to a future. And you're still looking forward to a future um, where you have a – I mean, you, you're a prolific writer. I don't know. What have you written? Like over 800 songs maybe. But, you know, you're still waiting for that number one one. Yes. You got breath in you. You got dreams to realize. You just keep pressing on. You are a fantastic lyricist, Danny. You're a fantastic writer. You. Both your books are really, really good. Really easy to read. Really, really interesting. You have um, a way with language, and you turn a phrase, and it shows in your music, and it shows in in your in your uh, writing as well. Oh, thank Let, you, Frankie. And I mean that sincerely. I really do. Um, I've always admired the lyrics in, of your songs. They're fabulous. So let's maybe hear one. Do you want to set it up for me? For our it was hard to find. I wrote shortly after getting out of rehab because I realized who Debbie really was to me. And when she came to pick me up at the Dawnwood Rehab in um, uh, Toronto, North uh, East Toronto, I got a look at her and I realized, man, she's 
at her looking, and I remembered her. <laughs> I'm looking at her for the first time, clean and sober, and I thought of that old Joe Tex song, One, Two, Three. If you see somebody that you, you love, you better hold on, because if you don't, you could lose it, and someone else will have that person before you count, One, Two, Three. So it was based on that premise, and Debbie was my good love, and I wasn't going to let go, and it's hard to find, but I'm going to hold on. So that's how this song came about, and it's the most popular song pitched by our song plugger in um, Studio City, California, to movies. I think they pitched this song. Good love is hard to find. Over 20 times. Yeah, that's the one. That's interesting, and and while Ben's setting up that song, you know, when when we finish that, we're going to talk about it because you did have a a moment where you thought, oh, maybe I'll look for somebody better than Debbie, and let's talk about that after the song. Yes, play it now, please. somebody else out there uh, that's prettier or stronger or sexier or smarter um, you had thoughts like that and then something happened this was before I had come to my faith it was just getting out of Dawnwood I'm reading self-help books hadn't quite started reading the book haven't read the Bible yet but I'm reading self-help books and I started subscribing to an erroneous way of thinking, thinking that I was God, or I was like a God. And I was starting to feel a combination of uh, various factors coming together, feeling good about myself. Again, erroneous thinking. And these thoughts puffed up my um, ego somewhat. And as I was sitting on the park bench in Hyde Park thinking, yeah, I'm running again, I'm back in shape, I've knocked this 
uh, terrible addiction down. Uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm pretty, maybe, you know what, maybe I should start looking to see if there's a, uh, another girl out there. As I was reading some of the self-help books, trade in my old jalopy for a newer model. And then a voice, I'd written a song prior to going into rehab called All I Want Is Someone to Love. And as I've been thinking these thoughts, a, a voice in my head, I know who that voice is now, at the time it startled me, said, Danny, before you make this decision, you look at Debbie over the next two weeks. Then you make your decision. And then, as an afterthought, there's a pause and there's silence in my mind. That same voice said, remember that song you wrote, Danny. Didn't mention the title, but I latched on right away. Mm -hmm. That's what made me think. This voice, this wasn't me and my own thinking. This voice threw that song back at me and that song it was a pseudo reggae type song saying um i don't need a high fashion model who has to wear a different mask to suit the mood she's in all i want is someone to love someone who's real and that made me shudder and i thought uh, so the next two weeks i took a look at debbie every time she said she'd meet me here be here do that do this Everyone, she matched it. Her word was her bond, and it was solid. And at the end of that two weeks, I realized who I really had, and that's who I really knew, who I loved. And I never um, uh, wanted a budge from that, and I haven't have no intention to, because uh, yeah. if I ever tried it, she'd kill me. Oh, she would. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was really, uh, and you know what, she proved her mettle because uh, not long after that, I'm, I'm, I'm really hustling for work and I was having trouble working because, you know, I'm, my trouble back then was just to keep a sober, sensible yeah. mind. And I got a call to do a national campaign uh, and unbeknownst to me, I didn't know it was a beer commercial. Oh, uh, but anyways, wow. it turns out it was a beer commercial. I said no to it, and it would have paid big money. And I said no, and Debbie wrapped her arms around me and told me she was proud of me. And that night as I was going to bed, that voice in my head said, what would some of the other um, people you were yeah. seeing before Debbie, what would have they said? And I said, oh, they would have said, you idiot. Get them Call them back and tell them you want to do a commercial. We need a new car. <laughs> well, and, and yeah. that's the thing because, like, you know, you, as, as much as you work, and you work really hard, like you work like 80 hours a week and you travel and you gig all the time, and it can't be easy, your life is not that easy. Like, you know, you guys, I remember, you, you, you know, your old car and you really needed a car, and but you had to keep that old one going because money's tight. Money's tight yeah. a lot. You got seven kids between you. Money's tight, and you know, so that's always a challenge. Uh, and and you are your own agent. You book your own gigs. You find your own work. You know, as an entrepreneur and a songwriter and a singer and all of that stuff. You guys are it. And after your heart attack, 
you know, or your your after your surgery, you weren't allowed to lift anything. De- Debbie became your roadie, and for the first time, she started going on the road with you, and actually yeah. became part of the band, and you know, became a twosome. Yeah. Up there, so that's pretty exciting, and different. Yeah, it is now. Now a twosome is like a foursome because Debbie's playing the cajon and a snare that she built out of a suitcase. Yeah. And I'm using a, a, a bass tombo, uh, tambo stomp board, and so we make a good racket. We we, we, we get do. hired in places that normally won't hire duos. Yeah, you guys are, are uh, you're amazing. And, I, you know, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, when you came up here and, and you did the um, the church benefit for, for Lisa, and... I thought, oh my God, this church, they don't know them. They're going to think, I don't know, what are they going to think? They're loud, they're rock and roll, they're bluesy, they're, but they're God, you know. <laughs> but every single person from like an 80-year-old to a six-year-old, I remember watching that they loved you guys. They fell in love. There's a magic that happens when you're on stage, Danny. And like people just fall in love with you guys. Uh, we, 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 I think part of that's because we show up to play yeah. and no frills. You're it's generous. Just, yeah. It's just, you know, we give it all we got and, uh, we just try to be real. Yeah. There's a real generosity of spirit there when you play and, and people get, you know, that rawness, they get that it comes from real life. It's not fake. It's not something that you read about. It's something that you lived. And I think that makes all the difference. Really, you know, and everything when we're authentic, yeah, people right. appreciate it even more, right? He's so a great manager. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. Uh, no problem. Uh, I think Mike Syracuse said that to me once. You should be a manager, Frankie. Um, you guys moved to Texas from from Canada. That was a big move. And you said in the book that you've always wanted to live in the USA. Now, like I do see you guys living in in Nashville, but you ended up in in Texas, in Llano, Texas. Wow. Yeah, it was ne- never in my wildest dreams that I ever think I'd move to Texas. But when I got a call to open up for Will Callery um, at the Antones in September of 2008 and I he showed me around Texas and I felt the vibe in Austin the music and then I think I fell in love with the music first and then I realized it's the people uh, we're going and to another they, commercial I'm sorry it looks like we're going to a oh, commercial no yeah okay wow <laughs> getting warmed up Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness 
wholeness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Sleep deprivation is not good for multiple reasons, but did you know that it could be one of the culprits that's making you gain weight? Sleep deprivation has an impact on cognitive restraint. When you are overly tired, foods that are high fat and high calorie can be even more tempting. And because you are deprived of the proper amount of sleep, you may not be able to restrain yourself like you would if you were rested. According to Columbia University researchers, sleep deprivation can lead to more calories consumed. They found that women who only got four hours of sleep the night before ate 329 more calories in a nine-hour period compared to those who weren't sleep-deprived. And men ate 263 more calories when sleep-deprived. So get the proper amount of sleep and keep your calorie consumption down. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Today, my guest is Soul Man and songwriter and singer and speaker, now public speaker, uh, Mr. Danny Brooks. And I invite you all to go to www.dannybrooksmusic.com. You can check out everything that they do. Uh, Danny has a couple books. He's got video. He, uh, they'll do house concerts. You can hire him for your, your wedding, whatever it is that you want. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to show up and they're going to play and they are going to make sure everybody has the best time ever. So on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you can grab, um, his two books and you, you're actually, uh, decided, I think to do a series. So you're going to have seven books and you've already started the third one. It's already finished and we'll, we'll publish it in the spring of 2018 called The Lonely Battle. And it's specific to a time frame of discovering you've got a problem, how to get help, and the two-year crucial period after leaving rehab. It's a dynamite read. Wow, I can't wait to to read that and have you back to talk about that because that is really something that... Um you know, people struggle with, and you know, when you had, when you had your heart surgery and they gave you the oxy and you said, no, 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 give me morphine instead because morphine would be easier to get off. Is that why you did that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's always a worry, right? When, when you've kicked something, you don't want to, to have something bring you back into it again. Um, I want to let people know just, you know, you might not be a household name, but you've played with household names. Why don't you tell us, you know, some of the people that you have played with, and then we're going to play your your um, another song from you called "Caught a Fire." I played with a lot of the um, top musicians uh, around, like uh, Michael Fonterra, who's Lou Reed's music director, Richard Bell, who worked with Janis Joplin and the band, and 
uh, great players like Bucky Berger and Dennis Pinhorn and in Texas here, guys that have played with, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the names right now. But you were at Muscle uh, Shoals. You played down there and, and with yeah, all those great the musicians. the Swampers. It was the producers that I, that, um, I somehow was very fortunate to work with Johnny Sandlin uh, from Alabama, Jim Dickinson from Hernando, Mississippi. Um, Richard Bell produced a couple of records. Lure Langer from Mink DeVille's band produced a Texas City Soul Man CD down here in Texas. So I've been, I'm not a household name, but I've been fortunate with the people um, that I've gotten uh, to meet. And, and you're uh, a musician's musician. People, the musicians know who you are, I think. And one of, one of, why don't you tell us when you were that 15-year-old boy who it was that sparked this, this, you know, the guys that were playing that you went, oh, my God, I have to go. I'm running away from home, Dad. <laughs> I'm Toby Tyler. Yeah, I, I saw Muddy Waters at um, the Colonial Tavern. And at that time, Muddy Waters was probably an equal uh, idol, uh, as was Hank Williams Sr. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I saw Muddy up close and personal, um, after that show, because I didn't try to sneak a drink, Colonial allowed me to come in and watch all the greats. I saw all of them, uh, from Howlin' Wolf, John Lee Hooker, um, um, Otis Spann, uh, James Cotton. So this is this is uh, what this song is about. This caught a fire that we're going to play now. It's about all these people who who got you fired up to this play. Is even going back, even for yeah, my brother Greg's all his soul albums he brought home of Joe Tex, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, Solomon Burke. The deepest part of me, I wanted to be a torchy soul singer. There we go. Okay, caught a fire. Hooker and Tosh 
to the Sam Cook, Lord with George and little feet. The whole soul plan did a number on me. two songs today that are very quiet songs for you <laughs> i'm surprised uh but they're beautiful they're beautiful and ballads and and you know that's you playing guitar of course um amazing you're just so talented in so many aspects thank you i always feel like i've got to keep digging to get deeper and, and improve and that's probably what keeps things fresh if we if we if we're always reaching, then we're always uh, digging deeper, and it keeps it uh, vital. I learned that from Jim Dickinson. That was a, a very good lesson, because I was going to record with him down in Memphis at 315 Beale Street, and I had a bit of a long face, and he said, what's the matter, Danny? I said, Jim, halfway down here, I heard on the radio this band that just slayed my spirit. I thought I was coming down here with the world's greatest songs, and I heard this band, and I wanted to hightail back home and hibernate for a year to improve. And he looked at me and he smiled and said, "Don't you love it when that happens?" Crestfallen, <laughs> and he looked at me, seeing that I was still rattled. He goes, "Danny, that's the mark of an artist. You care enough about your audience that you want to dig deep." When, if, if that doesn't happen to you, you'll never improve or continue improving. You've got to love it when someone rattles your cage because it'll make you dig. Wow, I love that. And it's so true, you know, so, so true. It's interesting because there was, um, there was a... Uh... Those who don't know, Jim Dickinson produced and worked with people like Aretha Franklin, the Rolling Stones, and all the greats from Atlantic Records. This week I had a very challenging week, and with with the authors in my new book, um, I Bared My Chest, and there was something that you had written, and I actually sent it to them today because it, it, we had some major, major setbacks, and each of these setbacks actually improved you know, like we at the time you don't think of it, but you know, you give it a week or whatever, and you realize, oh my God, we just got the time to improve and make things better because of the setback. And you wrote, setbacks can be godsends, but it's still our attitude that will determine how and if we make adversity work for us. Look inside yourself and be honest about how you can improve. And you, that came about because somebody had said to you, 
you're a really great singer and songwriter or whatever, but you're boring. You're boring. <laughs> <laughs> and and that constructive criticism yeah. that can be a, 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 the medicine you need. I mean, you were pissed, and you stayed pissed for a week. You know, who's yeah. he to tell that and blah, blah, blah. But then you thought about it for a minute, and you went, you know what? He's damn right. And you, you, you know, you start, instead of singing in three keys, you started singing in 12, and you changed up your signatures and, you know, all of that. And, wow. I mean, now look at your music and look how many songs you've written and how many, how different they are. And that's fantastic. It's not easy. Everybody wants to stay in that comfort zone. You know, because I can out of it. it's easy, right? But you get out of it, and you get so much more out of it when you do get out of it, right? That's right. We've got about two minutes left, Danny. Uh, you can expound. What do you want to say to folks? I mean, you've got a lot to say, well, always. <laughs> well, Debbie and I are always on the road. If you check our website, you see where we're playing. We'd love to see us uh, at some point uh, up the road. We we don't have all of our Ontario uh, gigs in the um we're not going to be doing many gigs in ontario i know we've got one on march 31st um and the big band we're playing at my brother michael's church april the 8th in hamilton and um well wherever you're playing at, wherever you're playing sorry? I said, wherever you're playing, folks can go on your website, check them out, tell them that, yeah. you know, you heard, you heard you on Frankie's show, and you just want to say hi, you just met a new friend. We are now out of time. Thank you so much, Danny Brooks, for coming on my show, dannybrooksmusic.com. Go to his website. Love you, and say hi to Debbie for me, and thank you, Ben, for producing the show today, and thank all of you for being with us each and every week. Thank Take you care. for having me. My pleasure. Production. She and I, you, she the one way to turn.